just sing all night, couldn't we? Eight hundred plus selections in the book. We could just sing all night. Amen. Thank the Lord for the hymns. Miss Debbie's fingers might get tired, mine. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Miss Debbie. Appreciate you helping each night. All righty. So as I said, we'll be going back to our study of Israel in pictures. Israel in pictures. Uh, so we're going to be looking back at that. Go ahead and pop that up there, brother. Uh, Hot Rod, I'm looking here to see if I got my pointer here. See, so I can point at the screen for you. But uh, going back here, and so this evening, uh, we're going all the way up here. All the way, if you, you don't know if you can read it, but right there is the city of Dan, northernmost part of Israel. So see, here's the Sea of Galilee. Last week we were looking at Capernaum right here. Uh, so now we're traveling all the way up, as, about as far north as you can go in the land of Israel to Dan. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. We'll be looking this evening at the city of Dan. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll get right into this study. Father, it is good to be in your house. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you have given us this privilege and this opportunity. And Lord, that we're able to come together. And Lord, that there are people who desire to gather together. Lord, folks who want to learn more of your word. They want to understand your word. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, as I teach tonight, that Lord, I not waste their time. I not waste their effort. But Lord, as we look at this uh, place here in Israel, Lord, as we make some biblical applications, I pray, dear Father, Lord, that it will help your scripture to come alive to us. I pray, dear Lord, that we will see uh, comparisons and, and applications that maybe we've not seen before. And Father, Lord, that we will go away, uh, Lord, better Christians because of what we've learned from your word tonight. Father, here in a little while, when we share our prayer request one with another, Lord, we come together to pray. Father, I ask that you will meet with us as we Lord, that it won't be a formality, but Father, oh Lord, that our hearts and our minds will enter into an attitude of prayer. And Lord, that we'll pour our hearts out to you and bind our hearts together over the needs that, Father, oh Lord, each of us have and have shared one with another. I pray, dear Lord, that you'll be with the children's ministries downstairs. Uh, be with Brother Aaron as he's teaching the, the children. Be with uh, Pastor Ken as he's teaching the teens. I pray, dear Lord, that you'll be with the others that are working downstairs. Oh Lord, helping with the games and with the meals. Father, I pray that you'll bless that ministry and be with them. Thank you for each person who faithfully serves every week uh, in that ministry. Thank you, Lord, for each of these folks, uh, Lord, who faithfully attend, uh, Lord, to come to the Bible study. I thank you for them. I pray for those, Lord, that are unable to be here, uh, Lord, that would love to be here, those that are sick or uh, those that are unable to come out. Father, I pray that you would just be with them and touch their bodies and help them, I pray. Thank you, dear Lord, for your goodness. Bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Now, as I said, we'll be going to the city of Dan. Uh, Dan was a very interesting place to visit as there are some very powerful spiritual applications that can be made from the city of Dan. So I've got a picture here with just some rock wall uh, there in the city of Dan. And we'll be talking some about this in a little bit. Uh, but this is the city of Dan. And boy, there's some uh, very interesting things that we can glean as we look at the city of Dan. So as we start talking about the city of Dan, the first thing that we want to consider, as you see there on your worksheet, is the geographical location of Dan. I've got a picture of a map here that shows you uh, Dan. Uh, you can see it a little more clearly here. Here's your Sea of Galilee. Here's the Jordan Valley. Here's the Dead Sea. Uh, so here is the city of Dan, uh, right here, if you had noticed in the last map, this is Lebanon right here. Uh, so you kind of get the picture. This is the northernmost part 
of uh, Israel. It is considered the northern frontier. It was a, a somewhat unsettled area. We'll be talking more about this as we go along. Uh, this is the Dan uh, that we find in Scripture. Uh, many times we find Dan mentioned. One thing I wanted to mention about the northern frontier, though, as I said, this was right on the border of Lebanon. I've got a picture here. Uh, Bro, Hot Rod, you show that next picture there. Uh, right here, this is the Israeli flag. And this is the Lebanon flag. Here's myself and Melissa. And this is Pastor Kurt, Kurt Skelly. He's the guy that led the trip, so you can tell we had a lot of fun. Uh, but uh, Pastor Kurt Skelly's there with us. But we are standing on the border of Israel and Lebanon. Now, an interesting fact, this isn't a Bible application, but it's an interesting fact. Our tour guide, not Brother Skelly, but we had a Jewish tour guide also. Our tour guide told us, he said, over here in those fields that you're looking at, he said, there are Lebanese soldiers looking at you right now through their scopes. He said, you can't see them, but they're looking at you. He said, now don't worry, they're not going to bother you. He said, but I guarantee you they're there, they're watching us right now. So that was kind of a little bit unnerving to realize that we were uh, right there being watched by military guys right there in Lebanon. But that is the northernmost part. It's as far north as you can go in Israel. So we was able to stand there on the border. It was a very rainy day that day. And if you see here, you see these uh, structures right here. These are trenches uh, on the Israeli side uh, for the Israeli military. Uh, if they go to battle against Lebanon, that's there in place for them to come and uh, uh, fight the battle. So right there on the border, we often find Dan mentioned in the Bible. Many times we'll find the phrase from Dan to Beersheba, from Dan to Beersheba. And this map shows us that. The map we was just looking at there shows us that. Here is Dan. Here is Beersheba below the Dead Sea. Now, Israel continues, the land of Israel goes further than this, but it's mostly desert. Uh, so the inhabited part of Israel is from Dan to Beersheba. And oftentimes you will find in the Word of God the phrase from Dan to Beersheba. There's a couple of examples I could share with you. If you look in 2 Samuel chapter number 24, 2 Samuel chapter number 24, uh, we find this phrase from Dan to Beersheba. Second Samuel 24 and verse number 2 says, well, let's read verse number one to get the context. It says, And again the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he moved David against them to say, Go number Israel and Judah. For the king said to Joab, the captain of the host, which was with him, Go now through all the tribes of Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, and number ye the people. So we see here the king said we want to number all the people. So starting Dan, go all the way to Beersheba. We want you to number all the people. In 1 Kings chapter number 4, 1 Kings chapter number 4, we find this phrase uh, again, and you, you'll find it other places in the Word of God as well. These are just a couple of examples. 1 Kings chapter number 4 and verse number uh, 25, uh, it says, And Judah and Israel dwelt safely, Every man under his vine and under his fig tree from Dan even to Beersheba all the days of Solomon. So we see here that the whole nation was at rest 
during the reign of Solomon. And so many times we will find whenever we're speaking of the land of Israel, before the land of Israel was divided, we know that after Solomon, the land of Israel was divided uh, into the two kingdoms. Uh, but before that, while the nation was still complete under Saul, David, and Solomon, when they wanted to refer to the whole country, they referred to from Dan to Beersheba, northern part uh, to the southern part of the country. Uh, so that gives us an idea of where Dan is located. And knowing where Dan's located will come into play a little later when we begin to make the biblical application. The next thing we want to think about, uh, or some things I want to share with you about Dan, is just some of the amazing archaeological remains that were there at Dan. Uh, these are not necessarily things that have biblical uh, Significance, but they're just some really interesting thing. When visiting the city of Dan, uh, you'll notice some uh, rock walls. And so there's one here. I have another picture here of some rock walls. This is the one I showed you earlier. Uh, so this is the foundation of the city. So uh, whenever they um, discovered this, actually they were uh, at war with the bordering country and they were digging trenches when they came up on this foundation. So after the war was over, they came back in and began to excavate and were able to uncover this. This is the foundation, as I've explained to you before. Uh, in in uh, ancient ruins, you'll only find the stones. You won't find the mud brick. And the, the main part of the city would have been built out of mud brick. And we'll look a little bit at something else concerning that in just a moment. But you see the foundations of the walled city of Dan. Now, I had some pictures from inside, but you really just couldn't tell uh, all that I was looking at. And I've got a couple pictures here at the gate of the city. You go inside the city and you could see uh, roads <clears throat> where whenever the chariots would come back from battle, they had ramps that came up into the city where the, where the horsemen and chariots would ride up into the city and courtyards where they would ride up and ride their chariots. It was pretty awesome to see. And I took pictures, but as I looked at the pictures preparing this presentation, you really couldn't tell what I was trying to show you. So I'm like, well, there's no sense in putting those up because it just looks like a bunch of rubble and you can't really tell what it is, but it was really interesting. Maybe I'll, if I go back, I'll try to do better now that I know what I'm trying to capture in my pictures. When you're with uh, 75 people and you're trying to get through the crowd to get the picture, you know, sometimes it's difficult to get the right angle. But uh, uh, So here we have the, uh, the gate of the city. And so this was uh, very interesting. So the wall comes down. Uh, the wall I was showing you is, would be here, and then it has an angle and comes up here. And here is the gate going in right here. Of course, you see the pavement uh, that was outside the city. Uh, this pavement is all, all throughout it. So some of the rock pavement they have. But here is the gate. Here would be inside the gate looking out. As you see, the people gathered here looking out of uh, the gate of the city. Now, uh, the, the gate of the city is very, very interesting. I have another picture here of the gate of the city. So this is inside. So you go, when you walk in, I was actually, the picture looking out, I took from right there where you see me. I took that picture looking out of the gate. So you come in the gate and you find this location right here. Now, uh, you have right here this, which was the seat of the gate, and then all along here was rock uh, benches uh, along these walls, was rock benches. And so 
They had all us pastors get in there on the rock benches and then this gentleman was the oldest pastor who was with us and so he got on the seat of the gate and they took our picture. And of course, I knew Melissa was taking my picture so everybody's looking that way but I'm looking at Melissa. So you can see I'm kind of looking a different direction there but we all gathered in there at the gate of the city and what was significant about that? Now, the story of Boaz and Ruth. Now, Boaz and Ruth did not take place in the city of Dan. But in the story of Boaz and Ruth, if you remember, Ruth goes to Boaz and she asks Boaz to redeem her. Boaz said, I want to, but there's a nearer kinsman than I. He said, so we have to go to the gate of the city to do business. And so they went to the gate of the city. The nearer kinsman came. Boaz said, will you redeem Ruth? He said, I will. He said, or will you redeem uh the, the property, and he said, I will. He said, well, when you redeem the property, you also have to redeem Ruth. He said, I cannot. I don't want to mar my inheritance. And so you know the story. They spit in the shoe and, and so forth to confirm that Boaz could uh, redeem Ruth. That took place in the gate of the city. And so here at Dan, we had an excellent example of what the gate of the city looked like. So here where this gentleman was standing would have been the seat of the city. So this is where uh, the king uh, would have sat or the, the rulers of the city, the chief ruler of the city would have sat here and then the advisors would have sat on these benches beside this, the seat. And so whenever it was time to do business, people would gather in the gate of the city. If you go back one picture, Hot Rod, the people would gather here in this area and as their, as their turn came, they would come up to the seat that we have there in the next picture. They would come up to the seat. They would present their business. And so if you go back here, right here, this is where Boaz and Ruth and the kinsmen would have came up to a seat very similar to this. While the, while the leaders of the city sat here, they would have presented their business and it would have been made official at the city gate. And so although that story did not take place in the city of Dan, being able to see how it was set up and how it would work uh, was just very interesting. So now when you read that story, uh, I don't know what picture you had in your mind, but I know the picture I had in my mind didn't look anything like this. But now when I read it, uh, I have a more accurate picture of what that would have looked like. And so uh, we saw there uh, the city gate, and that was a very interesting looking at the city gate, there were also the remains of some altars. I believe I've got a picture of the altars up there. Oh, this was interesting. This, this was just something that I personally found interesting. And I thought maybe some of you craftsmen would find this interesting. Uh, there was the main city gate, and then there were some smaller gates in the city. And there were these places in rock. And what these were is they would have a wooden post that sat in here. So these were the hinges for the actual gates of the city. So the wooden post would set in the rock and then that's how they would hinge the gates opened and closed and there were several of those and I was just like, that is so intriguing to me how they made those and kept them in place and uh, was able to work them so I thought y'all might get a, uh, have, be interested in seeing those too. Now we just go to Lowe's and buy our hinges but back then made them out of rock. But then the next picture we have here uh, is of an ancient altar. There were several of these uh, down in the city of Dan. And so this right here, you can see all these small rocks here uh, forming this altar. Uh, there were these altars. Now, the interesting thing about this altar is if you look here on the altar, and this is how it was uncovered, this is how it was in place, you see this tall pointed rock, a shorter pointed rock, and then an even shorter pointed rock. These rocks represented the gods that they were worshiping. 
And so later on, as they began to worship other gods, uh, they would build these altars and then they would put images that represented the gods that they were sacrificing to on the altar. And so there was a couple of those that we were able to see there in the city of uh, Dan. And so just some very interesting things we were able to see. Now as we move on, as we talk about Dan, the next thing that we, that we want to consider is the biblical record of Dan. Now we find mention of Dan as far back as Abraham. We find mention of Dan as far back as Abraham. In Genesis chapter number 14, turn over to Genesis chapter number 14. <clears throat> now, I will say as we get ready to read this story that this area that we're looking at right now uh, was not originally called Dan. And we'll look at that more in just a moment. Uh, so in Abraham's day, it would not have been called Dan. However, uh, in this account of Abraham, it is called Dan. And most all Bible theologians agree that it is speaking of this location. Although when Abraham would have went there, it would have been known as Laish. But they, most all scholars agree that this account in Genesis 14 is talking about this northernmost location uh, of the city of Dan. But in Genesis chapter number 14, we won't read the entire account, but I'll kind of catch you up on the story. Uh, Lot has been kidnapped. Lot was staying in Sodom, and the kings, uh, the kings of the plain, they came together, they attacked Sodom. Lot was taken captive along with many others, and they, they took him and they left. And Abraham, and I love this story, because here is five kings that brought their armies together and defeated an entire city took captives, and they're going on their way. Abraham hears that Lot has been taken captive. Abraham arms 318 men. So I'm not sure uh, if, they, if he had a, a, a blacksmith on the farm who started hammering out swords, and that's how they armed them, or if he just armed them with uh, 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 plowshares and mowing size. You know, a good old axe makes a really good weapon, so I'm not sure, you know, what, how he armed them, but the Bible says he armed his 318 servants and they went after those kings, and they pursued them. Now, if we pick up in verse number 14, the Bible says, And when Abram heard that his brother, speaking of Lot, was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. And he divided himself against them, he and his servants by night, and smote them and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods and also brought again his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. So we see here that Abraham armed his servants. They pursued the enemy all the way to Dan. At Dan they overtook them and there they defeated them and rescued them. You know what? Whenever you see pictures of Abraham, and I've, I've used these pictures myself in slideshows, but you see this old fellow with a long beard and a staff just gazing off into space. I think that's a misrepresentation of Abraham. 
I mean, this guy had to be in pretty good physical shape. I don't believe he was just an old man gazing off. I believe he was somebody that had the physical strength and capability to do things, and he pursued them all the way to Dan. So we see that Dan is mentioned as far back as Abraham's day, and there's, interestingly, here at Dan, and I've showed you this picture once before, but I'll show it to you again. There is this building here, and this is... The only mud brick building still standing, as far as we know, in the world. Now, there might be another one we hadn't uncovered yet, but as far as ones we've discovered, it's the only mud brick building still standing. And this building dates back to, I think it's about 1750 B.C. Uh, is what this building dates back to. And uh, so this is an old building. This is what they believe it would have looked like uh, when it was complete. Uh, but this dates back to Abraham's day. So it's very possible, it's very possible that when Abraham pursued the kings of the, kings of the plain to Dan, that he saw that building. Now, I, I know y'all just looking at a picture, but I have to tell you, it was surreal to be standing there looking at a building that Abraham might have looked at. I'm like, how in the world do you, I mean, we, we just link it all the way back to creation here pretty quick. But here's this building. So uh, Dan dates all the way back to Abraham's day. They call this Abraham's gate, not because they have any proof Abraham was there, but simply because it was from Abraham's time period. And there's a very good likelihood that Abraham stood in front of that building and looked at it just like I did. And I'm telling you, it just gives you chills to stand there and look at that and think about it. I told you that uh, Dan was originally known as uh, Laish. If you look in Judges 18 and verse number 19, I'll show you that verse, or excuse me, verse number 29. I grabbed my, my uh, little Bible. Instead of my big Bible, give me more room on the pulpit, and I can tell that it's been a while since I used this Bible. So y'all be patient with me as I look up the scriptures. <laughs> uh, Judges, Judges 18 and verse number 29. The Bible says, and we'll come back to this verse in just a few minutes, but here in this verse it says, And they called the name of the city Dan, after the name of Dan their father, who was born unto Israel, howbeit the name of the city was Laish at First, And so we see that it was originally known as Laish, uh, but the uh, children of Dan changed it to Dan. But all theologians, most all theologians agree that it is the same location that Abraham went to. So as we look at the city of Dan, we, we see where it's at. We see some interesting uh, things from that time period. We see the biblical record uh, all the way back to Abraham's day. But as you study the Word of God, you find that there is a powerful spiritual application linked to the city of Dan. And this that I'm getting ready to share with you is why I wanted to talk about the city of Dan. I was telling Miss Lila today, I said, there's no way that we can ever cover everything. So I try to pick the places that have good spiritual applications. And I wanted to look at Dan to show you the historical rebellion of Dan. First, I want to look at the historical rebellion of Dan uh, as a tribe. 
Brother Hot Rod, can you, can you go back to a map? I'm sorry, I've got you jumping all over the place tonight. These guys up here are great. I'm telling you, they do a wonderful job. So if you go back to a map, here we go. That, the other map works better, brother. There we go. All righty, so this is where the city of Dan is at. All righty. Now, whenever Israel came into the promised land, all of the tribes were given a portion. They were given a place. This is, this is your portion, this is your portion, this is where you can go and establish your tribe. All the tribes were given a portion. Well, the area that was given to Dan, to the tribe of Dan, to the people, the children of Dan, the son of Jacob, was down here. This is where their land was. Now, they're against the sea. They're right here against the sea. So they had good fishing. They had good fertile land. Uh, but it wasn't a really big piece of land uh, compared to some of the other tribes. It was a little bit smaller. And also the Philistines are right here. And so there was going to be constant battle with the Philistines. Uh, and they didn't have as much land as the other tribes had. Uh, and so the people of Dan decided, I don't like what God has for me. I don't like what God's given me. We don't like this spot. I think there's something better. And if you'll go with me to Judges chapter number 18, you should be there now where we just read verse number 29. In Judges chapter number 18, we read this story of the decision that the tribe of Dan made. Now remember that the tribe of, uh, or that the book of Judges, excuse me, the book of Judges, the theme of the book of Judges is this. In that day there was no king in the land, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So many times when you read the book of Judges, you will read something that someone did, and you'll be like, was God for that? No, 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 no. That doesn't mean that this is what God wanted. It's, excuse me, what the individual wanted. Now, there's a lot in this story. We do not have time to go through the entire story, but as we, if you go through this story later, you will find that this tribe of Dan did appear to seek wisdom, but they didn't seek it from God. It did appear that they were looking for counsel, but they didn't seek it from God. God had already told them, here's your spot. You know what? Sometimes there are things that are crystal clear in the Word of God, and somebody will do something in violation to the Word of God, and whenever you ask them why, they'll say, well, I know the Bible, what the Bible says, but I prayed about it. Well, I don't know where you got your answer from, but if the Bible's clear about it, you didn't get your answer from God. And there are times when we get our mind made up on something that we want to do that we imagine we are hearing answers that aren't there. If it's already in the Bible, the Bible tells us that God is immutable. In other words, He never changes His mind. So if it's in here... He still believes it, and it's still what he wants you to do. But anyway, anyway, we see here in Judges chapter number 18, we're going to jump around in the chapter just a little bit, but look with me in verse number 1. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and in those days, the tribe of the Danites sought them an inheritance to dwell in. For unto that day all their inheritance had not fallen unto them among the tribes of Israel. So we see here uh, that they had not been able to conquer all of their inheritance. They hadn't received all of their inheritance. They wanted to go somewhere else. Uh, they were having problems with the Philistines. They wanted a better spot. 
And the children of Dan sent of their family five men from their coast, men of valor from Zorah and from Eshtal, to spy out the land and to search it. And they said unto them, Go search the land. And when they came to Mount Ephraim, to the house of Micah, they lodged there. So Dan's not happy. They don't like where they're at. They pick five men and they say, Go search the land. We know that this is where we were allotted, but there's a lot of property here. Go search the land and find us a better place. Find us somewhere where we can go and settle. We don't like where we are at. If you drop down to verse number 7, the Bible says, Then the five men departed and came to Laish and saw the people that were therein, how they dwelt careless after the manner of the Zidonians, quiet and secure, there was no magistrate in the land that might put them to shame in anything and they were far from the Zidonians and had no business with any man. So they go and they travel up through here and they come up here. And up here they find a community of people who don't have a king over them. They're kind of nomads. They're living on their own. They don't have any concerns. They don't have anybody, any close neighbors. They are just living up here peacefully. Uh, the Bible says carelessly. It means they, they didn't have any cares. Uh, they were uh, doing pretty good. It says they were quiet. They were secure. Uh, they were uh, just minding their own business. They had no business with any man. It says in verse number 8, And they came to their brethren, so this is the five men, came back uh, to their brethren, to Zorah and to Eshtal. And their brethren said to them, What say ye? They said, Arise, that we may go up against them. For we have seen the land, and behold, it is very good. And are ye still? Be not slothful to go and enter in to possess the land. Go with me to verse number 26. Now what happens between verse number 9 and verse number 26 is they come to the house of Micah, and that's a whole other story, but they're at the house of Micah. Micah has ordained himself a preacher. Boy, we could go on a sideline there. I believe there's a lot of people that ordained themselves a preacher. Uh, but Micah's ordained himself a preacher. Uh, he's got his own priest. Uh, he's got his own false god. Micah's got his own religion going. Well, these guys on their way uh, back up to Laish, they stop at Micah's house uh, and they kidnap the priest and they steal the false gods. Uh, do you see how messed up this is getting? But you know what? It don't sound too far off from some modern day religions I've heard of. But they, steal, they kidnap the priest. They steal the gods. They say, all right, we're going to take you with us because when we get to our new place, we need a religion. You know what? Whenever you are knowingly going against what God has said, you know in your heart that you're going to need a new religion. They said... They said, we're going we're gonna to go up here, but we are disobeying God, so we're going to need a religion. So they stole themselves a religion. In verse number 26, And the children of Dan went their way. And when Micah, Micah tried to stop them from stealing his gods and taking his priest, and when Micah saw that they were too strong for him, he turned and went back to his house. And they took the things which Micah had made and the priest which he had, and came unto Laish, unto a people that were at quiet and secure, and they smote them with the edge of the sword, and burnt the city with fire. And there was no deliverer, because it was far from Zidon. They had no business with any man, and it was in the valley that lieth by Beth Rehob. And they, speaking of the Danites, built a city and dwelt therein. 
And they called the name of the city Dan, after the name of Dan their father, who was born unto Israel. Howbeit the name of the city was Laish at first. And the children of Dan set up the graven image. And Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh, he and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity of the land. And they set them up Micah's graven image, which he made all the time that the house of God was in Shiloh. So here we are. They disobeyed God. They left their lot that God had given them and said, we're going to go find something better. They slaughtered innocent people, set up their own city, set up their own religion, set up their own God, while the God of heaven was residing at Shiloh. We'll be looking at Shiloh in one of our lessons. But while the God of Israel was at Shiloh, they were up here worshiping false gods because they knew they were living in rebellion to God. You know what? No one will ever be able to have a relationship with the true God as long as they are living in disobedience to Him. They said, we're going to do our own thing. and Therefore, although they could have went to Shiloh, they had their own religion. The rebellion of Dan, though, continued. It didn't stop here. They kind of started something that continued. In 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter number 12, turn over to 1 Kings chapter number 12, we find here another account of rebellion that is linked to the city of Dan. Now this is, a, this is an amazing story and I, I have preached messages just on this story and could definitely do so again. But Jeroboam has become king. The nation is now divided. Israel and Judah. Jeroboam is king of the northern kingdom. God tells Jeroboam, he says, if you honor me, I will bless you. But Jeroboam was afraid God wouldn't keep his word. He was worried that the people in the northern kingdom would still travel to Jerusalem, which was in the southern king, kingdom, to worship. And so if his people went into the southern kingdom to worship, they might start thinking that they liked Rehoboam better than Jeroboam and they might have an uprising and Jeroboam thought, I might just lose my kingdom. I have to do something to protect my kingdom. God had already said, Jeroboam, you honor me, I'll protect your kingdom. Jeroboam said, I have to do something to protect my kingdom. You know what, there's a powerful illustration right here. How many times has God said, if you do this, I'll do this for you? And instead of doing what God said, we focus on doing what he said he would do for us and turn our back on God. Jeroboam said, this is something I've got to take care of myself. We see here in 1 Kings chapter number 12 and verse number 25, Then Jeroboam built Shechem in Mount Ephraim and dwelt therein and went out from thence and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David, Rehoboam being of the house of David. If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said to them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Let me just interject this here. I still got a few minutes. Just a little side note. The way Jeroboam sold his false religion was he said, 
I'm going to make your religion easier for you. How many times have we heard people selling false religions on the note, we're going to make it easier for you. We're, you no longer have to do that. We're going to make it easier to understand. We're going to take well, all these things and they're just trying to make it easy so they can sell a false religion. Jeroboam says, I'm going to make it easier for you. He made two calves of gold and he set the one in Bethel and the other put he in Dan. And this thing became a sin. For the people went to worship before the one, even unto Dan. And he made a house of high places and made priests of the lowest of the people which were not of the sons of Levi. And Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month on the fifteenth day of the month likened to the feast that is in Judah. And he offered upon the altar. So did he in Bethel, sacrificing unto the calves that he had made. And he placed in Bethel the priests of the high places which he had made. We continue to go on and see the worship that he performed both in Dan and in Bethel. Now, this next picture I've got right here is a picture of, go to the next one there, Hot Rod. Right here, this is Jeroboam's altar. This is, this is Jeroboam's altar in Dan. Now, I told you early on when we started this study that when you go to the land of Israel, they tell you that you can visit three types of sites. There is an A site, which is, this is absolutely the place historically, geographically, everything we can check verifies that this is absolutely, this is the location, this is the site. That's an A site. There's a B site where it says everything points to this being the place so we believe this is the place. So A, absolutely. B, we believe it is. And then C is there's no way this is the place. This can't be the place, but we built a monument here anyway. Uh, so you have A, B, and C sites. Jeroboam's altar is an A site. They say absolutely, geographically, historically, everything they can check. There is no question this is Jeroboam's altar. This is the altar that he built in Dan for the purpose of keeping the people of Israel from worshiping God. Isn't it interesting that Dan was established as a rebellious city? And here we are years later, and once again, Dan is the location of rebellion. Generations later, the location of continued rebellion. You know what? I've seen families, and I thank the Lord for the mercy of God. And God will intervene, and anyone can be a chain breaker. But I have seen families who dad was rebellious against God and his son was rebellious against God and his grandchildren were rebellious against God and generation after generation after generation turned their back on God because somebody who was influential in the family turned their back on God. Now, as I said, I'm thankful for the mercy of God. And many, many times I've seen God break into those families and somebody turn their life around and somebody decide that they're going to live for God. And I've seen God do that. But we need to be careful the choices we make because generations later we may see our children's children still making the same decisions we made because we were influential in our life. Dan was established as re in rebellion against God, and Dan continued to exist in rebellion against God. The last thing that I have for you here is just something very interesting. 
that was found at Dan. It's called the Tel Dan Stele. Now this word here, Stele, S-T-E-L-E, if you want to hop on your, uh, your Google and look this up, uh, you will find that nobody knows how to pronounce this word. Some pronounce it stale, some pronounce it steel, some pronounce it steely. Uh, you just hit, type the word in and type, hit pronounce, and there's no telling what will come out. So I went with stale because I liked that. But uh, you can pick the way you want to pronounce it. Seems like nobody can agree. Uh, but anyway, the tell Dan stale. Uh, now David, the existence of King David is something that critics have challenged for centuries. Because there is a lot of evidence of David in the scripture, but there's very, very little evidence that King David ever reigned archaeologically. And so people have challenged David, saying that David was a made-up myth, David never existed, all this was a lie. Now since, since then, uh, there's been some things found. But David has been challenged many, many times. During the excavations here at Dan, they discovered this rock. Now it's interesting that this rock was actually being used as a, uh, it, it was laid in the wall in the foundation. Uh, this was actually being used as a foundational rock, so uh, whoever originally made it, uh, the people that built the wall didn't care about them too much, evidently, because they just stuck the rock in the wall as a foundational rock. But anyway, they found this. It's called the Tel Dan Stele. And there's, as you can see, there's inscription on this rock. These inscriptions are in Aramaic. And whenever you look at this uh, stele, which a stele is just a stone or a wood slab uh, that has engravings on it, many times tells of a significant event. Uh, sometimes they're used as battlefield markers. Our modern day equivalent would be like a gravestone, you know, and you have things on the, on the gravestone. Uh, but many times if a king conquered someone, he would uh, write uh, what he had accomplished on a stone and use it as a battlefield marker, very likely what this was. And so there's, this uh, dates back to about 800 B.C. It's got several lines in Aramaic on it. And the inscription gives the details. It's talking about a victory that a king had. And it says that this individual killed Jehoram of Israel, the son of Ahab and king of the house of David. Right here in white, those letters that they've got highlighted in white, that says house of David. And at that time, this was... the the first archaeological evidence that had been uncovered that proved that David was not a made-up story. He was a real king who did reign in Israel, and this rock was found there in the wall. This is a very significant find because it vindicates the biblical record of the reign of King David. It also vindicates the biblical record of the kings of Israel because the stale says that he killed Jehoram, the son of Ahab, of the house of David. And if we go to 2 Kings, we'll find out that that's exactly what the Bible tells us, uh, that a uh, Jehoram was the son of Ahab of the house of David. So this vindicates uh, that David was indeed a real king, which I never doubted, but some did. Uh, and uh, this also vindicates the uh, records that we have in the Word of God. You know, whenever you look at the Word of God, we need to remember that this is not a history book. That's not why it was written. It was not written to be a history book. But the history that is in it 
is absolutely accurate. There is no flaws in the history that is recorded in the Word of God. And for centuries, critics have tried to tear down the history of the Word of God because if they can prove the history's flawed, then everything else is flawed, right? So if we can prove that the history's wrong, then, then why do we believe anything in it? So for centuries, they've tried to tear down the history of the Word of God. And as archaeologists, those people that dig, continue to dig... As they continue to dig, they just keep on uncovering evidence after evidence after evidence that verifies that this book is accurate. I'll throw in a little plug for FBI right here. One thing that Brother John Yates, the professor at FBI, is phenomenal at doing is pointing out every piece of evidence that's ever been uncovered that verifies the truth of this book. This book is the true Word of God. Whenever we conclude talking about Dan right here, though, if there's a thought we could take home, it is this. Rebellion against God always ends in defeat. When you go to the book of Revelation and you find the Bible talking about 144,000, the 144,000 is made up of 144,000 Jews who are going to evangelize the world. The Bible says that there will be 12,000 Jews from every tribe. There's 12 tribes of Israel, 12,000 Jews from every tribe, which will make up this 144,000. Whenever you read the list of names of the 12 tribes, you'll find that Dan's not listed. Now, the Bible doesn't give us an explanation why Dan's not listed. In place of Dan is Ephraim, the son of Joseph. Dan's not listed. I may be assuming wrongly here, but I believe whenever a people determine that they're going to live in rebellion to God, they always end in defeat. One of the greatest things that's ever going to take place is when those 144,000 people evangelize the world and we see thousands and thousands of people turning to Christ and Dan's not going to be a part of it because they said, we've got something better than what God had in mind. We have a better plan. So if we could take anything home this evening, remember this, rebellion against God always ends in defeat. I heard a story once. I was just a kid. Some of y'all may have heard this story, but I heard the story when I was just a kid of a missionary. God called him to, uh, I don't remember where, but it was a, a third world country where God had called him to, and the place was known to have venomous snakes. And he said, I can't go. I don't want to endanger my children by living in a place like that where there's a lot of venomous snakes and the housing's not secure and snakes could come in the house and bite my children, so I can't go. So he, he determined he wasn't going to answer God's call to the mission field, continued to work his job and live a good life here in America. You know the end of this story without me telling you. One of his children out playing in the yard got bit by a rattlesnake and died. You never win when you rebel against God. Never, ever do you win when you rebel against God. What God says he has for you might seem too big, might seem too uh, out of place. It may seem like it don't fit you, but I guarantee if you do what God says, life will be far better than if you rebel against him. Hopefully you enjoy uh, taking a few minutes to look here at the tribe of Dan. We got just a couple of minutes left.